So I want to build upon that position. Sorry for the overcap. I wanted to catch up some people who maybe have not followed this, but it has been an amazing, gifted message for our church because we need to hear our place, right? I need to hear my place. I'm being told my place all the time. And so I want to know, God, as Libby said, I want to know, God, what are you saying for me in this season? What is my place? And so we're going to continue that whole idea. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel 22, 23 to 30. The words will be on the screen for you. I'm reading out the New Living Translation because Ezekiel can be a little hard to understand sometimes. But Ezekiel 22, 23 to 30, let's jump in. And so on verse 23, again, a message came to me from the Lord. This is God speaking to Ezekiel. Son of man, give me the people of Israel. This message, in the day of my indignation, you will be like a polluted land, a land without rain. Your prophets plot conspiracies just as the lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people, seizing treasures, extorting wealth. They make many widows in their land. Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. And they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath days so that I am dishonored among them. Your leaders are like wolves. They tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for money. And your prophets cover for them by their announcing false visions and making lying predictions. They say my message is from the sovereign Lord when the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them. Even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy, deprive the foreigners of justice. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness and guard the lands. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. Let's pray this morning. Father, help me. Amen. That is a horrible passage to read through in that moment, right? Thanks, Johnny, for welcome to church. We're enjoying Sunday, and you have to drop a message like this in this moment. You're like, this is why, Johnny, we don't invite people to church. We're not sure about all of this kind of stuff. But Ezekiel has this amazing message for us in this moment. I feel so often listening to this that the end message there. Get in your place. Find that gap. And so just while I was reading that message gap, um, can I reminisce with you for my sake, a bit of nostalgia for my sake right now. When I was reading that message, I strangely thought about um, English transportation. So I'm from London, not from Australia. And um, I think about how good our transportation is. We have really good transportation. Um, you can, I lived on the edge of London, so I could jump on a train, and in 20 minutes could be in the center of London. Buses and everything around, really good stops. And so you didn't have to drive everywhere. Transportation could take you into that. And there's this amazing thing in the London underground, um, something that really draws to mind, and it's called Please Mind the Gap. 
And so, Josiah, could you just play that, please mind the gap, please turn up the volume on that, Charlie? This is what you hear in the underground. Please mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please mind the gap between the train and the platform. Cool. So please mind the gap between the platform. And you hear that every single stop when you come to a stop on the tube. And so you're on the train for every like five or six minutes. So you get off, you get on. Please mind the gap. This is da 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 station. Get to another station. Please mind the gap. So very polite and so very English, don't you think? Because some, what would be a Pittsburghese kind of term? It's like, get off the train. I don't know what they would kind of be. Get your butts, get your yin's butt moving. Would be a kind of like, maybe trans, uh, translational of all of that. Would that be fair? Um, yeah, there we go. I should get Livy to do that. So with all of that said, I just remember that, please mind the gap. And there's good reason for that every time, right? Because the way the transportation underground is, lots of curved um, kind of like walkways between. And so the gap that you have to step can sometimes be uncomfortably large. And so no matter where you stop, you need to be aware of the gap because if you fall down the gap, you're going to be in a lot of pain. I've seen, sadly, one person go down between it. He was drunk at the time, so that was to his own fault. But he fell down and injured himself in it. So we're always being aware of a gap from where we are to where we want to be. And so this passage that Ezekiel is speaking to the children of Israel, and he's saying there is a gap between what God has said and where you are right now. And he's warned them about this ever-increasing gap. And we call that mission drift. Mission drift. Without careful attention, we all can drift from the founding mission that God gives to us. And so Israel has moved and drifted away. And so there is this gap that is forming between the reality of what God had spoken to them, the laws, um, the promises, and where they were heading. And Ezekiel, through God, is speaking out, you are off the mark. If we just have a quick look at the text again, we see the picture in verse 24 where it talks about a barren land. You are a polluted land, a land without rain. Picture with me this desert, this spiritual, desolate place that is barren, that is dry, that is broken. That is the land of Israel. And not only that, they have prophets who are meant to be speaking the truth, who are meant to be uh, learning the Torah, meant to be having that promise of what the law is on their hearts, and they are speaking lies. In fact, not only that, Ezekiel has this vivid language of an animal, like a lion, tearing up a weak prey. Isn't that crazy? Not only are you speaking false truth, but you're using it to destroy another person. He goes on in that as well. He talks about the priests, the people in the household. They have defiled what's holy. No longer is there a separation between what is holy and what is not holy. Everything is mishmashed together that we don't know what's morally true and we don't know what is holy and what is not holy. He goes on and says, your leaders are destroying the weak and the needy. You don't regard the Sabbath. You don't take time to rest. Even common people, people who don't 
know me are oppressing the poor. They're robbing the needy. They're depriving foreigners of justice. Now, I, I read all this, and I'm like, hmm, sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? Kind of feels like we're in an Israel moment right now. That so much of us are hearing uh, the destruction. We feel like we're in a land that is spiritually polluted. And it's been without rain. It's been without a move of God. And we can see that because the answers aren't coming from we trust in God. Though I see some political leaders trying to do prayer days. But as a whole, we're not leaning into what God's saying, right? We are polluted in a land without rain. I'm even seeing sometimes prophets, whether you like it or not, I don't necessarily know if they're truly speaking the truth of what God is even saying. This is a big one. Holy and unholy. The church has lost for the large way of what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to truly surrender our hearts. What we really have is a moral therapeutic God. I.e., just help me to do good things and feel good. In fact, a lot of people's gods look like them. I have that problem. I can see through the lens of what I believe God should look like. And so we all are seeing this wish-wash, mishmash, and losing what is holy, what God has set us apart, that we are not becoming salty anymore. We are not truly shining for God because we in ourselves have lost what is clean and unclean. But wait, he's speaking to Israel. He can't be speaking to us, right? We wouldn't be that silly to go back to these kind of things, right? He goes on again. He talks about the prophets lying and even common people, even people robbing. And it's interesting, depriving the foreigners of justice. I guess I'm a foreigner. I mean, I now have a U.S. citizenship, so I'm 50-50 now, dual best parts of the world. Isn't it interesting that if we consider the black community foreigners, how they have been oppressed for many years. And this oppression is still there, that we're still living in this time. And so we are warned all through this stuff. But God finishes with this amazing phrase, I searched for someone to stand in the gap. Wait, in the gap, God? That's where you hurt yourself. That's where there's tension. It's painful in the gap. Why would you want me to stand where I could get hurt? I mean, seriously hurt. Why, God, do you believe that I can be the gap for someone else? See, I think we've lost our why as the church, and we haven't got in place. Like Ezekiel, I feel like more and more God is looking for people to stand in the gap between the broken and where we should be, the divide that is growing ever wider And he's saying, would someone stand in that gap? I love this quote I came across. The greatest threat to expansion of the gospel is not the strategies of Satan, but the comfort of Christians. The greatest threat to the expansion of the gospel is not the strategies of of Satan, but the comfort of Christians. We are called not to comfort, but to Christ-likeness. 
all the enemy has to do is keep you comfort, keep you from not praying, keep you from not being the person that God called you to be, to be an image bearer of God, that we need to remember that when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came into us, we become mini Garden of Edens, born to restore and see his kingdom come about. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that the Lord's prayer? Isn't that what we're told to pray, that method of praying? Why did Jesus even pray like that? Maybe because you're meant to stand in the gap. Maybe God assumes more of you than you assume of yourself. So I want to have a look quickly at a well-known story um, in Exodus 32, of what it looks like to stand in the gap. And we're talking about intercessionary prayer, really, is what we're talking about today. And so just jumping in at verse 7 in the ESV we're reading today, chapter 32, verse 7, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down to your people, whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves, and they have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it. They have sacrificed to it. They have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who have brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. Notice the language right there. Your people, Moses, this people. And behold, it is stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone and let my wrath burn hot against them. And I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. I love this from Moses. But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with a great power, with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with the evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Moses is putting up a defense for the people of God. What will people say about you if you do this? Turn from your burning and anger. Relent from the disaster against your people. Remember, hey, God, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, the people that you told me over and over again when I said, who is this God? You will say, of Jacob, of Isaac, of Abraham. Remember that God. Remember what you told me to say to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars from the heavens and all this land that I have promised. I will give you offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Isn't that just a beautiful passage right there? And the, the thing that we see more than anything, so I love that this is the method, I believe, of like intercessory prayer. Like, What is intercessory prayer? This is intercessory prayer right now. And really, it's friendship. Friendship is intercession. Intercession is friendship. This one theologian had this great remark. God is processing his emotions with a human partner. A conversation with a friend. Have we ever thought about intercessory prayer that way? Have we ever thought about standing in the gap 
for another person or for another situation. That there was this conversation between a friend. That God was processing his anger towards your people, Moses, right? And can you imagine the boldness of Moses in that moment, like God raging right there? I don't even begin to know what that looks like, right? Him in all his holiness. And he said, so your, your people. Would he have said, your people? You know, it's not my people. But I love that he would be bold enough to speak that to him. See, the point is, intercession is friendship. God is not an unmoved mover. God is not an unmoved mover. He's relational father. See, it would be like this. If I went to my kids and said to them, hey, what do you want to do that's fun today? And without letting them answer, I would say, no, I know what's fun. You may think you know what's fun, but I actually know what's fun. Does that sound like a good father? So often we actually paint that picture of God. That he is someone that's already got the plan, ideas, and this is what's going to happen. And we don't have a say in anything. That's not what the Bible's about. This position and many other situations that happened where people stood in the gap and prayed and spoke to God. And God changed his mind. Now, there's a whole theological argument where we can go down. We could spend hours, and I'm sure many of you have debated with people about the sovereignty of God, about his plans and purpose, and do we have uh, say in whatever. I'm going to leave it at that. But I believe in this quote I love um, from Sky Jahanathy. He says this, and this is really powerful. Listen to this. We are not merely passive set pieces in a prearranged cosmic drama. I.e., you are not a passive little piece, a pawn in a chess match. You are not that. But we are active participants with God in writing, direction, design, and action that unfolds. Prayer, therefore, is much more than asking God for this or that outcome. It is drawing into communion with Him and taking up our privileged role as His people as his royal priesthood, as children of God. In prayer, we are invited to join him in directing the course of his world. Let that sit for a moment. Does that mess with your idea of your position as a Christian? Does that mess with your theology of what you believe? Because sometimes I think we can sit in the comfortability of God's got it in hand. I'm just going to let him do it. I think the whole Bible story shows a different narrative. A God hungering for a relationship with us that he has scars to prove it. Why would you go to that great length just to tell people how to live when he was inviting you into a relationship with him? When he was yearning to hear your voices, to speak his kingdom come, his will be done in situations, to stand in the gap. So I want you to stay this quote with me. I am qualified and empowered to stand in the gap. So that's a good test trial, pretty weak, but we're going to give it another go, okay? I am qualified and empowered to stand in the gap.
this is what I want to leave with you today as we come to our final passage today. And so if you would, as a follower of Jesus, as I said, we want to point people to a new view. And we believe that is best through following Jesus. And so Luke 11, Luke 11, and we're going to be reading just 13 verses from what Jesus begins to teach a new way of praying. The disciples watch these people that follow Jesus every single day notice something different about the way he prayed. And so they asked him, like John the Baptist, hey, you've got something that we don't have, but you're different to John the Baptist. Teach us to pray how you pray. So he says this, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Just a quick note, do you have a certain place that you pray? Do you have rhythm? Do you have a rhythm of practicing prayer with him? And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, would you teach us to pray as John taught his disciples? And he said to them, when you pray, say this. So speak out. Say, speak. I'm all fine with praying in people's heads, but there is a time when you need to declare, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Let's just pause in the passage there for a moment. A couple of things that we can miss in all of this. Jesus is assuming something that you already know. And as we've already said, it is an invitation because you are able to declare your kingdom come, your will be done. There is this invitation that says, echoing back to Genesis, where it said that they made man, made woman in his image, that they would take dominion over the earth. And so Jesus, with the disciples, knowing that knowledge, that that was the original plan and purpose to partner together in relationship, this is why the Lord's Prayer is set up that way. But uh, another thing that we notice as well, daily bread, forgive us our sins. Jesus recognizes the brokenness of this world. He recognizes the need of a constant daily Savior. Do you lean into God for your daily needs? Or do you trust on your own ability? We have so much, right? We have so much that we don't need God in this Western world. We have more and more things. We have more and more money to access, to keep our world safe and comfort. I wonder so often in my own life, I don't lean into God enough. And as we make our worlds more and more comfortable in the removal of trusting God, we are seeing the gap widen. And so this prayer brings in the gap. To stand in the gap is to say, God, we need you. God, we need your bread of life today. God, I need to rest in you, my Savior and friend. I need you. God, would you forgive me of my sins? Lord, my brokenness, that I know you're transforming me from old to new self. Lord, that you are casting off the chains of iniquities, of past generational curses. God, you are coming to meet me new, to bring me into the newness of what you have called me to do. That you are transforming me so that I can transform my world. So, 
he carries on. And he begins with two little parable teachings. In verse 5, we read this. And then he said, which one of you has a friend who will go with him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing set before him. And he will answer from within, this is the other neighbor, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give anything because he is a friend. Yet because of the impudence, the persistence, and the audacious asking, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Can you imagine that moment and scene? So I'm reminded, especially with my three kids, six, four, and two, fireworks, fireworks continually going off at 11 o'clock at night, right? Every boom that hits, I'm like, please, Eliana, don't wake up. Please don't wake up. Please don't wake up. I'm going to murder that person who's doing at 11 o'clock at night. Think about this scenario. Someone at 12 o'clock, bum, 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 bum. I need some loaves. Go to Walmart. Bum, 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 bum. I need some organic loaves. You know, the grain-free ones. Bum, bum, bum. Go away. I don't want you to be around me. This idea that we see this narrative that way, right? We see someone who's being annoying to us. But actually, the narrative is slightly different. This is a hospitality culture. Actually, the story is that this is a lazy neighbor. This is someone who is lazy. And so even a lazy neighbor, if you knock, who is your friend? He will give you. And I love what Jesus says. And I tell you, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find. Knock. And it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus then tells another story. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, when instead of a fish, give a serpent, which is pretty crazy, or if he asks for an egg, I don't know if children were asking for eggs a lot back then, he will give a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, thank you, God, for Jesus, for uh, assuming that we are evil, yes, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? One observant there, observation, sorry. So writing on paper or whatever material they had was very, so you have to be very concise all the time when you're in your writing. Jesus is using a lot of language here. The writer of Luke is really hitting home about this prayer. He's using up a lot of space to hit an emphasis. You are taught to pray, and then two stories back to back. We don't understand that because we have word processors. We have oodles of books and things like even the Bible, which they didn't have. And so to take this much room up means, God, Jesus really wants you to get this principle. And so the principle is these three things. Ask. Ask with shameless audacity. That's why I love the NIV has that translation. Don't stop asking. If you can put the next slide up there, Josiah. Ask. Ask with shameless audacity. Don't stop asking. Keep knocking endlessly. Ask. The worst thing than unanswered prayers is unasked prayers. Worse than unanswered prayers. The prayers that don't get answered is an unasked prayer. 
Because you, you do not have, because you do not ask. We have this fatalism mentality. Whatever happens, God happens. You're in control. Whatever. I don't care. This fatalistic, because we don't want to put our hopes in it. We have our own capacity, so we answer our own prayers on a daily, daily basis. And so, worse than anything in this world, I believe the pandemic as Christians is that we don't ask. We don't ask. I love the second point. Ask with shameless audacity. We ask timidly rather than audaciously. Um, often it's, please God, can we just you know, forget He is your Father. He cares for you. We so often forget that, that He is a good Father. And that's why that story is, though you are evil, Though you are evil, this is a humorous teaching that Jesus is giving, you know, about the the egg and the scorpion. He's giving these humorous remarks in and through this situation. Though you who are evil want to give good gifts, how much more does the Heavenly Father want to give good things? Does He want to see the transformation of America? How much more does God want to see that transformation? Love that we were talking about Uh, with friends about this whole idea of intercession. Do we ever ask God how he feels about a situation? Do we ever have that dialogue with him to even lean into him and say, God, what do you want to see in this situation? Because I bet God has way more audacious things that he wants to do in and through your lives than you even want to see in and done through your lives. And so we need to be people who ask shameless, audacious things. But we have built this theology in of false humility. Well, just give me that small amount. Just give me that little piece of the pie, God. That's all I'm going to need. Where God wants to give you the whole pie. It's not for your glory, right? It's for his glory. I want to have a life that is, as I keep saying, wow, that must be God. Because there is no way that Johnny could have done that. And if we ourselves don't take ownership, either way, right? The safe place to be is, I don't take the ownership of if I get glory or if bad things happen to me. Because if it's all the purpose of God, that God is in and through, moving, shaping, designing, therefore, I don't have to worry so much. I think so often we get in that worry space. The Father cares for you. What would it look like for you to have an audacious prayer today? And third and finally, We give up so often, don't we? Don't stop asking. Keep knocking endlessly. I have Elijah who's six, turning seven in a couple of weeks, and he understands what it means to endlessly knock. Constantly. Parents, you understand this. They have the gift of never ceasing asking. Can I have this Pokemon card? Can I have this Pokemon card? Can I have Yes, please, just leave me alone. Like this endless relentless. And even if he hears no, like, guys, we've got to get out of the pool. No. We've got to get out of the pool. We've got to get going. This is last night, by the way. Can I just do one more jump? No. You cannot do one more jump. Please, can I just do one more? Just be one more. Can we just get out of the pool? Come on, Dad. Just one more. Okay, do one more. Jump in the pool. Why aren't you getting out? I just want to do one more jump. Endless, over and over and over again, this endless relenting. And it, honestly, we, this is what we do. We do a five. We say, guys, we're getting out in five minutes to prepare the mind, the psyche, that they need to get moving, and we can have our little battles there. And it honestly takes us 10 minutes to go anywhere right? Mothers, parents, we know this with our kids. 
But they get this principle of not stopping. This ceaseless asking. We give up too quickly and too easily. This principle I want you to understand. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. God's delays are not necessarily his saying no to your situation. There are different wills at play. There is an enemy that does not want you to succeed. There is the angels and demons fighting. We see that in Scripture. We see other people's wills. They have their own wills that they want to see succeed. And this is all in a realm of freedom and love. And though we love that God is freedom and love, there are the tensions that we must live in. God gives you more than you even realize. He expects more of you than you even realize. See, my goal is not, uh, it, my goal is their restoration and not relieving my frustration. And we're just going to take a moment uh, to pray together. But can we say this quote together? I am qualified and empowered to stand in the gap. We're going to take a moment to do that right now. And so, Josiah, if you can just play uh, just that music in the background because music helps me focus. Um, but we are going to intercede right now. And notice that there isn't a qualification for someone who is an intercessory prayer person. There is no ministry. Everyone is expected to be an intercessor. It's mentioned so few um, the idea of intercessory prayer, but it's filled throughout all of Scripture. The wording might not be used, but the idea of advocates standing on behalf. And I know many of you are seeing the disruption in this nation, right? I see it in your posts. I know you're angry. I know you're frustrated. And the best thing that we can do is pray. The best position that you can be is in the uncomfortability of the gap where you may get hurt because when you're standing on behalf of someone else, they might let you down. Your heart might become disillusioned because you're living. And maybe we never see the fulfillment of the promises and prayers that we long to see. But we believe we're a generational church. There are prayers that have been prayed in this house that are yet to be fulfilled. There are prayers that we will pray will yet to be fulfilled. I want to pray those audacious prayers, right? I want to sow seeds in the ground for things that we don't see in our lifetimes. Because if we're just praying for things we see in our lifetimes, small-minded prayers. And so just where you are right now, just individually, we're just going to do the Lord's Prayer and then pray. Our Father. God, you are a good Father. We come with that perspective this morning that you are a good and loving Father that has good things for us, that you are strong, that you are mighty. Lord, that there is no other God like you. You are Father, our leader. In heaven, which means the very air that we breathe, that you are not some aloof CEO God, but you are present here in this place. Wherever you're watching online, he is with you right there, right now. Hallowed be your name. God, you are great. You are Alpha and Omega. 
There is no beginning, no end to you. You are endless. Your love and grace is endless. You are all powerful. You have been and you always will be. God, we pray now today, your kingdom come, your will be done. So just in your own hearts, if you want to begin to speak out as well, begin to pray for the nation of this country. God, we cry out to you. Lord, we long to see a shift and a change. Lord, we surrender right now to your will and purpose. God, we know there is a gap, but Lord, we want to stand in the gap today on behalf. And like when you spoke to Ezekiel, we say, here am I. You're just looking for the one. You're not looking for a great multitude. You're looking for a remnant of people that will say, God, I want to stand in the gap today. I want my place to be in the gap, in the uncomfortability and say, this is not how it should be. And God, we speak against the principalities right now. For our war is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the principalities, the spiritual realm of this world. We say, back off, enemy. We say, back off. In the name of Jesus, we speak against the principalities right now in Jesus' name. God, we pray for the rising up of sons and daughters. For us in this room right now, God, would our prayer be, Lord, that we want to stir a passion in our hearts, Lord God. Maybe for you in this space, you've become lukewarm. Maybe Christianity is just a side gig, a side hustle that you kind of lean into when things get hard. God is saying, get in place. Get to know me. Intercession is a friendship. God, we pray for the sons and daughters, for the Christians in this land. Would they rise up? Would you put them in positions? Would there be vocations of politicians? Godly men and women, politicians to step into the realms. Would we see godly men and women step into the media realm? Would we see increases of the voices in media? Would we see truth spoken, joy spoken? Would we see new life spit the media around the school systems? God, would you invade the school systems? Your kingdom come, your will be done in the school systems. Lord, in the health care. Lord, let healings occur. Let new life come forth. Let miraculous things occur in hospitals. Lord, we lift up retail to you. God, we lift up all these areas to you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Start with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. I can't be responsible for other people's lives, but I can be responsible for my own. So God, stir in me a passion that out of this place, Lord God, something would ignite, a seed be sown today that we wouldn't relent. We wouldn't relent. 
that we would endlessly be knocking on that door. God, would you come? God, would you move in my life to be the hands and feet of who you are? God, would you draw me to action, knocking on your door? And your Father, who is a good God, will give you the strength you need. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the finances. He will give you all you need and above and more because he is a good God who loves to give good gifts. Jesus, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. So that is as simple as intercession can be. It doesn't have to be, and it can be. It can be ours. And there are people who believe and and have a yearning for it, but it is not a calling. Intercessory is for everybody. It doesn't mean that someone else has got it. And so it's for you to keep knocking every single day. When we get the heart of the Father, when we see what the world could be like through prayer, everything changes. And even if it's just one person, it changes everything. Is that helpful today for you guys? What next steps can you take today? What five minutes could you take, even simply going through the Lord's Prayer, of just focusing on the Father, giving praise to Him, And then saying, God, your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. As simple as that, a rhythm of that every single day before you get onto your phone, check your emails, check your social media. Before you do anything, if you just laid in your bed and just said, Father, your name be glorified. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life today. Forgive me of my sins. Protect me. Give me the strength today. If we started each day just simply as that, how differently we would see and hear. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you are causing your church to rise up. God, would you direct our anger towards righteousness and not towards tearing down another person? Would you lead us in using our eyes for compassion for another, for a neighbor. Help us to be the light. Maybe in our lives we're not, we've not been living right. Maybe there are things that we are looking at and things that we're hearing and seeing and doing that aren't of you. And so God, would you even now, in your amazing love, begin to shine light on those situations. But most of all, would you replace those things with a greater understanding of your love, of a greater understanding of your glory. Lord, that we cannot do this walk alone, and it's not just us putting good things in place that will win the day, but it is knowing that who our identity is in you, King Jesus. So I just pray right now for revelations of identities for every single person in this place. Would they understand who they have been called to be? Mighty men and women of God. Not timid, but with all of heaven's authority moving in and through them. God, would you come and move. Give us fresh glimpses each day of your beauty. Give us fresh glimpses of how you want us to work how you want us to be a good worker for you. Lord, we pray protection over our community. And Lord, that the best days are yet ahead.
Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Have an amazing